It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Not much movement in the race to 270, the presidential election, since you and I joined here together at about 1230 here today to kick off this episode of Live Mike. Uh, Wisconsin called for the president, a lawsuit filed by the president's campaign against the state to halt voting because, well, according to the campaign manager, the campaign hadn't been given uh, sufficient access to monitor the counting of votes there. We'll see what comes of that. Uh, Also, we are seeing now that the Trump campaign is filing uh, new lawsuits in Pennsylvania. The exact details of those lawsuits, uh, I don't yet know. We'll continue to follow that as soon as that lawsuit information is available. We'll bring it to you here on KSL News Radio. Also, we are tracking uh, two announced appearances, one by former Vice President Joe Biden and another by uh, Donald Trump and his campaign. They were expected uh, some time ago, and for whatever reason, each camp has postponed its appearance. And so uh, we're continuing to monitor that as soon as either candidate or their campaign come to the microphone to talk about whatever the case may be, uh, we will bring it to you live here on KSL News Radio. <clears throat> Important to remember. When all is said and done, there are so many more races which took place uh, yesterday. We have talked nationally about the balance of power in the United States Senate. Right now, my prediction is that Republicans maintain the majority, uh, yet it may narrow uh, a bit. And in the House, where the polls had Republicans losing, losing ground and the majority enjoyed by Democrats to expand in districts around the country, Uh, Those polls are, by and large, proving to be uh, inaccurate, Uh, depending on who you believe in terms of counting uh, races or calling races in the U.S. House. uh, Anywhere between five and seven seats have been picked up by Republicans. Not enough to not enough to reclaim the majority, uh, but enough, as you heard described by uh, Chris Stewart, uh, who ran successfully in his own race here in Utah yesterday that the margin enjoyed by Democrats may be such uh, that Speaker Pelosi may have to kind of reevaluate her her tactics. And maybe uh, due to the extreme left leanings of many in her party, she may need to look to uh, Republicans uh, as allies to move legislation forward. Fascinating stuff. And once this presidential election, the dust of that settles down, uh, you and I, uh, you better believe, are going to spend some time combing through the House of Representatives to we, so we can get a new understanding of exactly how things sit there. Now, uh, with all that said, let's have a look at what took place here in Utah and what continues to take place, especially in the 4th Congressional District, as results continue to pour in. The big race here in Utah was, uh, of course, between, uh, well, the, the governor's race. 
between Spencer Cox uh, and uh, Mr. Peterson. The the polls and history and almost every indicator there is let us know uh, far ahead of yesterday that Spencer Cox would likely be uh, occupying the governor's mansion and that uh, Mr. Peterson uh, was, was, well, not going to be victorious. But one of the fascinating things to emerge from that campaign was the remarkable example of civility. I w- was lucky enough to see some of it behind the scenes. I believe that these two gentlemen are, are in fact, uh, cordial with one another and friendly and, ad- and have an admiration for one another. And then publicly, you have heard that here on these airwaves and in videos which have circled the globe countless times. An, an, an unprecedented move, you saw these two candidates appearing together uh, in advertising. Advertising not necessarily for themselves, but rather civility at large. I thought it was an admirable step. Uh, here, though, because when all is said and done, this is a race, it is a competition, and there was a winner, Spencer Cox, last night during his acceptance speech. It's an honor to be here with you tonight, here virtually. Um, when, uh, when we decided to, uh, to run for governor, there are those moments when you think ahead of uh, what might happen, and you imagine that, that closing night of an election in a ballroom in a hotel with hundreds or even thousands of supporters there cheering us on as the results are announced. Well, like so many things this year, COVID has changed the way we do elections and uh, the way we do celebrations. And so we find ourselves here um, with my family, but not here with you. But we are so grateful for your kindness, for your generosity, and for your support. You mentioned, or I mentioned rather before, uh, we heard from Spencer Cox right there during his acceptance speech as it became clear that he would be the next governor of the great state of Utah. He uh, today put out a tweet uh, about about the governor's mansion. And interesting, he, as you know, lives uh, about 90 minutes drive from Salt Lake City, uh, Fairview. He and his family, he reveals in the tweet, their plan for their new living circumstances and situation will be uh, he will move into the governor's mansion, but uh, that on the weekends that he and his family will travel home uh, to the family farm. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Anyway, uh, moving on, Cox here last night during that acceptance speech, he talked about the pandemic and how it is an opportunity for Utah to be an example to the rest of the country. And then he thanked his opponent, Chris Peterson. It's our opportunity to show the rest of the nation that there is a better way, that there's a better way to do politics. We've worked very hard to show the nation that there is a better way to do politics this this year. I want to thank uh, my opponent, my colleague, Chris Peterson, Professor Peterson, who ran an excellent campaign. He didn't pull any punches. We debated the issues, and he debated them very firmly. He debated them strongly. He debated them often convincingly. And uh, I was so impressed with the way that he ran his campaign. But the thing he didn't do was resort to negative tactics, to, uh, to character destruction, to trying to tear his opponent down. And we did the same thing, a commitment that Abby and I made to all of you a year and a half when we st- ago when we started on this journey. I'm so grateful that, uh, to my campaign staff, to all of those supporters, the volunteers, the thousands of volunteers who sacrificed on our behalf to help us on this campaign over the last year and a half because we did it the right way. We did it without tearing other people down. And that is what our nation needs more of now more than ever. Chris Peterson conceded 
the Utah gubernatorial race to his Republican opponent, Spencer Cox, who you heard making reference to uh, Professor Peterson right there. I I mentioned it earlier. I'll reiterate it now. I do believe that there is a sincere and honest uh, respect between these two gentlemen. And I would keep an eye on Chris Peterson. Uh, He will likely, uh, I believe, have a very visible and influential role in some form uh, in the the next little while, not sure if it will be in the in the Cox administration or elsewhere, uh, but uh, but we learned uh, about an admirable man there who has a lot to offer. Uh, anyway, he in his concession shared the following statement. Written, I'll share it with you. I want to thank my family, staff, volunteers, and all of my supporters from the bottom of my heart. Traveling around this state, hearing Utah stories, and standing up for working families during this campaign has been an honor. I'm proud that we ran an ethical race focused on policy issues. This campaign was about building a new beginning for the Democratic Party in Utah. My name was on the ballot, but this was never about me. It was about fighting to make a positive difference in the daily lives of working people. I also want to thank my lieutenant governor running mate, Karina Brown. She has been an inspiration to me and to Utahns across the state. I thank my opponent. Lieutenant Governor Cox for running a respectful campaign, and I wish him the very best in leading our state towards a brighter future. That, again, the concession statement delivered by Chris Peterson, who uh, was defeated in his effort to uh, make his way to the governor's mansion. We're going to take a break right now. I wanted to talk to you about more going on in the 4th Congressional District. We'll have to postpone that and get to it later on in the program. After the break, we will be joined by Deidre Henderson, currently a state senator, but your next lieutenant governor of the great state of Utah. Lieutenant Governor-elect Deidre Henderson, my guest next on Live Mike. That's ahead here in KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.